0: is coming. Hello. Yes. He Hello. Hello, Scott. Scott, this is
1: Heather. Greetings. I won't even attempt to do her last. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you, too. Can you hear me okay? Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're coming through quite well. All actually.
1: right. Excellent. Hold well on, My mom is calling me. Sorry. <laughs> Don't worry about it. Hey, mom, no problem. I you back. I'm in the middle of my podcast. <laughs> I like that. I'm in the
0: middle of the podcast. We haven't even started yet, but that's good. <laughs>
1: we're <laughs> like hey mom i got i got it. i can't talk
0: <laughs> yeah
1: and technical difficulties are uh,
0: the norm rather than not so and... mm-hmm.
1: it's technology <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. yeah It says that i don't have skype going right now that's not a good sign computer are you going to work you're both still here though right alex
2: interesting
0: you're not helping well I can i'm pretty
2: me. sure you do have skype going so that there's a uh... There's a few things happening that would make that fairly obvious.
0: Well, you guys weren't talking back to me, and I have the cat scratching on the thing behind me, so I don't know. Interesting. We're on a delay, aren't we? Oh, there it's (laughs) back. Okay. We will start. um, Heather, normally... We might be on some. Yeah, because there it goes again. (laughs)
2: Sort of delay. There's been some garbling of stop.
0: Okay. Say hi now.
2: Ah.
3: Hi.
0: It's a bit of a delay. (laughs) I will introduce us, and then Scott goes, and then The guest always goes last. I don't know why, but that's just the way we do it.
2: like the sound of music thing. It's because they're the most important.
0: Yeah, that's
3: it.
2: Or the way that they do it in, um, you know, um, TV titles. It's always here are some of the stars and then some various random people. And then at the end, and featuring (laughs) so-and-so, you know.
0: Yeah, that's how it works. Yeah, absolutely. Mm Mm-hmm. If this keeps up, I'm gonna to have to go upstairs and hardwire myself into the router. But maybe it's gonna work now. Okay. So, um. Oh wow. Let's see. New podcast. I have to have the right name. Welcome to the Puffwa Exchange, one of the Potterfic Weekly podcasts, but not the parent one, as I usually say. I am Sue. But, <laughs> that was like a 10-second delay, and all I got was, I'm hot Let me go upstairs. Oh, wow. Hang on just a minute. <laughs> yeah, mine is the same way.
2: This is really interesting because, Heather, I see your mouth start to move on the video three seconds before the audio catches up.
3: Oh,
0: are you getting video with her? I don't have her on video, so that could yes. be part of our problem, is because we're video. Yeah,
2: possibly we should turn that off.
0: We'll try that again. All right, round two. <laughs> it, it's it's always <laughs> like this when we have somebody new in, always. <sighs> Let's see.
2: Mm-hmm. We're never at our best. It's 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 sad. that. Uh. It, 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 we invite somebody on, you, you want to be like, and this is how we are, and it's wonderful, and uh, don't you enjoy it so much? And then something weird happens.
0: <laughs> yes. <laughs> and, and the best thing I just realized yeah. I did was leave my questions down on the table downstairs, so we'll have
2: to fake this. Oh, dear. Do <laughs> <laughs> you remember most of them?
0: I remember a few. The poofle Exchange was our last, best hope for on-topic conversation. Failed. But in the third season, it became something greater. Our last best hope for entertainment. Welcome to the Puffo Exchange. I'm Sue.
2: I'm Scott.
0: And I'm Heather Shropshire. Welcome, Heather. Heather has written a book called The Dragon Bard. And we have invited her to come onto the Pufo Exchange and tell us a little bit about her story, a little bit about why she wrote it and the sequel that's coming out, and to maybe give us some of the fun quotes from the book. Scott and I have also read it and enjoyed it, and we will probably have some questions as well. So
3: mm-hmm.
0: we will start by just having you tell us, how did this come about
1: well, originally, they were just little short stories that I had written. They didn't really have any meaning. They were just funny stories that I would tell uh, some of my students that I would teach as I was a substitute teacher for a little bit. And then I had a student come and ask me, he says, why don't you have any of this written down? And I couldn't give him a good answer. So I started writing it down, and it eventually aimed the book that it, Now is the dragon bard, and it's been really kind of fun.
0: (laughs) Yes, and I Mm -hmm. understand that you, uh, speak dragon, and possibly Uh, several (laughs) other languages as well. Uh, yes.
1: None of them are actually useful. (laughs) Ah, yeah. Yeah, um, I can speak, I can speak drow, dragon, uh, some orc, some goblin, dwarf. Uh, there was a time that I knew a little bit of Klingon. I
0: heard about I don't that. know any of
1: that anymore. Yeah,
0: yeah. Uh, I was told you knew all the swear words in Klingon. Not to get you to talk talking
1: uh, Klingon, well, because that well, yeah. would be bad. <laughs> yeah, at one point I did.
2: Yeah, also, I tried to learn a bit of Sindarin at one point, but it didn't last very long.
1: Sindarin's fun.
2: Mm-hmm. I learned enough to translate my middle name because Scott doesn't translate to anything because none of these languages come from a world where there was a Scotland. So.
0: (laughs) Ah, right. Ah, well. And your middle name translated to?
2: Brown Brown Warrior.
0: Uh huh. There we go. So you, (laughs) you had a bunch of stories and you shared them while you were teaching. I presume you would tell stories while you were we're subbing to kind of get the kids interested. What were you teaching? Uh,
1: Well, as I was a substitute, now these stories had been in my head for a lot longer than that. And I had written them down, but they were just scattered notes. Mm-hmm. Uh, nothing solid. Not like what you've got now. And as the kids would be right before the bell, I would... A treat if they had done all the work that their teacher had laid out for them. That was the goal. Get your work done and then you'll get a reward. Right. And I would sit and I would tell them a story while I was also teaching them how to draw that dragon. But only the good classes got to do it and only if they got all of their work done as set up for their, for their teacher. Cool. There were a couple of classes that didn't (laughs) because they were, they were talking too much and didn't get any of their work done. So they out, but I would sub, I subbed everything from kindergarten to AP calculus. Wow. Which the kindergarten AP calculus rotation came in the same week back to back. That was interesting. Oh, <laughs> yeah, that's quite a change. Back to back. Wow. Yeah. It's like, okay, we're learning, you know, sophisticated in mathematical equations, and I am lucky if the kindergartners know how to tie their shoes. Huge developmental difference, but I really loved it. It was great. The kids were great for the most part. I really didn't have any problems as I was a sub, so the teachers did an awesome job preparing them for that.
0: Well, that's great. And you had.
2: So did the calculus students get any of the stories or were they too focused on their other stuff for that?
1: They were too focused on their stuff and it was just for one class period. So. Oh, okay. And the story is more written for your fifth graders, your sixth graders. I mean, so without knowing if the students were interested at all, I just kind of kept it to myself, especially with some of those high school crew.
2: Yeah, that makes sense. It doesn't necessarily relate to other things. And so we've been learning differential equations, and now we're going to talk about dragons.
3: <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> As per follow and Dragons Alex, you lose far. your job in 101. <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah, you don't want to do that.
2: Now, maybe for just for the listeners, so they sort of understand basically what's going on, I should explain, or possibly you should explain uh, generally what this is. The, the Dragon Bard is a book that has written about a bard by the name of Dalen? Dalen. Okay and Taylor decides that in order to become a master bard to his master work is going to be stories from dragons, because no one has done this before. So he starts going to find as many dragons as he can and get their stories from them. And fortunately, he has some treaties of safe passage, basically, with the dragons so that he can go and do this and not get himself killed for being in the wrong territory. And and so it's you can kind of see how they started out as um, short stories. For the most part, you go through with self-contained chapters as he meets one dragon or another. But then, as we go through the book, some more stuff starts to develop, and we get the little hooks for this possible sequel that might be coming up. So so it's fairly interesting stuff, actually.
1: It is. Yeah, and as Dalen starts out, you realize at the very beginning that goal is what most most young adults want. They want the fame. They want the fortune. They want the glory. And as yes. time goes on, your life goals start to shift towards less selfish, not that, you know, self-preservation is a selfish thing, less self-circular object. And eventually as and the real turning point is within Gorzelot's chapter where, galen realizes that there's a lot more at stake than just glory and fortune there's honor and loyalty and the power of your word can go a long way Mm -hmm. Uh, which when we're dealing with creatures that yeah there there are i like flux personally (laughs) so does your aunt (laughs) that was
2: going to be one of my questions Do you have a favorite?
1: Flux is a little jerk. I love him. (laughs) (laughs) Anything that delights in giving people headaches is great. (laughs) Yeah, Flux is good at that.
3: Yes. Yeah.
0: I I saw a picture of a rainbow kitten with butterfly wings with a unicorn horn that someone compared
1: to Flux.
2: Interesting, yeah. I suppose I could see
1: that. It might not be colorful enough for him. (laughs)
2: yeah that's one of the neat things about this book actually is all the different varieties of dragons that you've introduced because there's some that are sort of the standard dragons that we are used to from western fantasy literature and then there's all these other uh, sort of subtypes and different versions of them and they live in different places and they have different talents and all sorts of neat things like that
1: yeah one of the lessons that my mom taught me was that biology has to suit what they do um for example drishak with the way that her legs had to be she couldn't be the standard dragon of western mythology because her legs would have to be out to the side much like a monitor lizard otherwise she would not be able to swim she would drown and as you go through his courting with mythology The surprising thing, and I had done some research when I was in middle school and this was fascinating to me, was that every culture across the world, regardless of interaction, regardless of trade, all had their own version of what we would call a dragon. Mm -hmm.
3: Mm -hmm. And they
1: all had different looks. They all had different traits. So it was just really easy for me to go, all right, here's where my dragons live what would they look like?
3: Yeah. Right.
2: That's kind of an, an interesting thing that they, they all do fit their surroundings very well. And even those of them who might not have originally have sort of evolved or created spaces for themselves that do fit. Like um, the first one we meet is Melinda and she's almost uh, from the description. I kind of picture not that she herself is made of glass, but she's got those blue, silvery kind of colors. And then she's come up with a glass fortress for herself, almost. And Yeah. It's kind of interesting.
3: Yeah. And
0: she's really unique, really neat, because she has that amulet, basically, that she gives him. So that when she forgets, or... Because she's kind of an old dragon, so she's she's almost... Just a little bit senile, forgetful, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden, oh, there's something there and she flames it up and then she's like, Oops, sorry. And he's like, Oh, I'm so glad I have this thing that protects me or I would yeah. when, <laughs> know.
1: when you when you read Melinda's chapter, you almost have to think of it as one of the uh, elderly British ladies. You know, as she, you know, sets him on fire, she just blinks a couple of times and she goes, Oh, I'm sorry, was that you, dear? Mm-hmm. Cup of tea. <laughs> Dalen is like, I'm so happy I'm alive right now. What just happened? (laughs) As this whirlwind Mm -hmm.
0: comes around him. Uh, uh, You've done all the artwork, is that correct?
1: Yes.
3: Oh, I didn't know that. Very well done.
0: You envision them and then you draw them, or uh, do you draw them first before you write about them, or do you?
1: Well, going. Going back with my notes, I had written their stories and then I decided what type of dragon would they be given their surroundings, and then I drew them. The funny thing about some of them is that I drew them before I wrote about them. Uh, Xiphoniris, the song dragon, is one of those where I had drawn this little dragon at the corner of my... uh, It was one of my assignments for college that I was doodling on. As I was studying. And I'm like, oh, that's a cute little dragon.
3: <laughs>
1: and it was just happened to be, I was working on some music theory assignments. And I'm like, what if she was a music dragon? Oh, that would be so cool. And she spoke in harmonic tonal shifts. That's brilliant. Yeah. So, the, yeah, that's cool
0: because you're, you know, you're kind of... Your mind is probably, you know, kind of got that already going and, and you and then it's like, oh, wait, let's put these things together and oh, look at what I've done here. That's
1: that's really neat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what makes it more interesting, you know, all the more interesting is the fact that bards are musically trained, at least given the the history of, of this this world. So he would be able to understand some of the tonal shifts just fine mm-hmm. rather than a warrior or a king or whoever who was not musically trained in the tonal shifts. Right. So they mm-hmm. wouldn't be able to understand her at all.
2: So that whole section of the chapter is a really special experience for him. And it's a, a very, that's one of the most unique um Versions of dragon that uh, are that occur in here. So that was one of the ones I thought was really neat.
0: Yeah, I'm just kind of because uh, I've got it on the Kindle, I'm just going from chapter to chapter and looking at the different pictures again.
2: Mm-hmm. So they're all quite neat.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: It's interesting that my favorite dragons in here, as sort of as people, are probably uh, Melinda and Gorzaloth. And it sort of makes me wonder if they. Uh, if dragons in general mellow with age, or if you just got lucky and managed to run into some relatively friendly people.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, in that sense, you have humans in, in any world where you're looking at significant time lapse. Humans are almost on this breakneck pace to the end. Acquire as much stuff, status, whatever, land, um, renown as possible before you die. Our lifespans are very short. And that's mm-hmm. one of the things that Gorzaloth hints, you know, talks about is the fact that perhaps it is the dragons who are in fact tragic because they see their death coming.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: They live for so long that they can see the world change rapidly. I mean, if you were to look at this world, have a dragon start out in 10 A.D., and okay, they're about the end of their lifespan now, mm-hmm. what kind mm-hmm. of opinions would they have of the humans? Oh, yeah.
2: It's an amazing shift in that time, how many things have changed and how many things haven't. Yeah, and,
0: that's, that's true, to think about the
1: things that haven't changed well. Yeah.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, and you realize that there are many things that are in, in nature that, Regardless of what world you're talking about, whether it's in my world, the real world, uh, in many, many different fantasy novels or sci-fi, there are many things of the human nature that do not change regardless of time Mm -hmm. or situation. Yeah.
2: Mm -hmm. And that's one of the other interesting things about this is, on the one hand, dragons are very emphatically not human And they have these different priorities and different ways of approaching things. Um, And each of the different dragons are different in that way as well, at least some of those ways. But then also you've done a very good job of introducing and showcasing uh, some certain human qualities through the lens of these dragons. Like we have melinda who's aging and forgetful and gorzoloth who's very near the end of his life and then you have flux who basically just likes to play with everybody and make the make the little creatures dance and then you have people like um garbeth say or um who was the other one i was thinking of but there's a couple of them in there that have frank men- mental disorders and things that are going on with them that um, I
1: think you're thinking of Hasleth the forest dragon
2: Probably yes that was it because he's been sort of tormented for this a length of time that he just doesn't know friend from foe anymore and he's paranoid and yes uh, you must be with them you're you're here to attack me and he's yes. going, no i'm just here i did nothing <laughs>
1: There's actually mm-hmm. a really funny story about Hasseleth and how he came about in that type of sense. Hasseleth was one of those dragons that I had, but I really didn't know what type of personality to, to put to him. He was very difficult. Caroluna, Gorzaloth, Melinda, Garbeth, Flux, Drishak, they were all very easy to me. Mm-hmm. Hasseleth was difficult. And when I was... Working on Hasseleth, I ended up getting very, very sick. And I had to go to the hospital, to the ER, uh, because my gallbladder had died. And Mm. my dad had showed me the old movie Wizards when I was a kid. And as I was going into uh, septic shock... All I could think about, you think of the weirdest things when you go into shock. It's mm-hmm. so funny. All I could think about was the assassin off of this movie. Fairies bad, not good, not good. And that's all I would say. And then <laughs> after, after surgery, I woke up and the pain medicine, although it was fantastic, I was very susceptible to believing everything and anything anyone said. Mm -hmm. So my dad, knowing that I was on this fairy triade, or tirade, sorry, he told me that there were fairies under my bed. And I flipped out (laughs) completely. Me, I absolutely had a meltdown. And I'm screaming that there are fairies under my bed and that dad needed to grab the fire extinguisher and get rid of them. And then after that, I'm like, that's it. I'll have Hasseleth hate fairies.
3: (laughs) it's perfect yes Mm -hmm.
0: and and actually fairies were one of my notes because I was told that you really did not like fairies
1: when you look at true Celtic mythology for example the fae people are not nice in fact Mm -hmm. they are very evil as far as the definition of evil goes and so I imagined okay no longer are we in the world of Tinkerbell We're in the world of the true fae who would make you sleep for a thousand years because they thought it was funny. Mm -hmm. So what would they do with a dragon who has this horde and is assuming that they're out to get him? Of course they're going to mess with him. It's funny.
0: Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. And it's, you know, it's a fun thing to do. And and if they can torment him and chase him and, and just drive him batty. I mean, it's like. If you have a, bu- well, right now at my house, we have the stink bugs, and they're just the most obnoxious things, and they're attracted to my computer. So I sit at night and edit, and they start dive bombing me. And they just, and I flick them across the room and think I've got rid of them, and they come back, and I try to step on them, and, you know, and I know how annoying they are. So I'm sure that the fairies would be the same. Yes. For a dragon, you know, just like, ah, oh, here they come again. So. And this
2: is just reminding me to date our podcast recording a little bit, which is isn't always a good idea given when they come out. But um, hopefully, this one will be. Um, Terry future. Pratchett has unfortunately just passed away a few days ago. Although it's something that um, he and most of the people around him knew was coming, but it's reminding me of a quote from one of his books where he features elves, basically fair folk. And at the beginning, it, it has this series of comparisons. It says, elves are wonderful. They provoke wonder. Elves are marvelous. They cause marvels. Elves are fantastic. They create fantasies. Elves are terrific. They beget terror. No one ever said elves are nice.
3: Wow. Yes. <laughs> true, true, true.
2: And there's all these words that we mostly use to see this is a great, wonderful thing. Uh, and, but you look at the, Former meaning of the word, and that's not necessarily what people meant.
1: <laughs> yes, very true.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I'd like to know where the butterfly came from on that one. <laughs>
2: <clears throat> yeah, it's hard to say. The names for creatures are very weird, and some of them we don't really know where those came from. And as in Heather's example of the butterfly, mm-hmm. uh, why would you call it that? <laughs> yes, it flies, but it doesn't look anything like butter. <laughs>
1: and where i was thinking that maybe its name was flutterby because mm-hmm. they do flutter and they go by and then a dyslexic kindergartner said butterfly mm-hmm. yeah. i teach kindergartners that seems pretty logical it's in <laughs> very logical to me and i call, i
2: know people who still call them flutterbys, flutterbys. so it could yeah. well be
0: and in our harry potter fan fiction uh, Neville tends to grow flutter-by bushes, so there we go. That You know, they bloom and then they turn into butterflies and fly away.
2: Mm-hmm. I would like one of those And bushes. you get the dragons mm-hmm. with butterfly wings who are just strange, so you know. Yes. <laughs>
0: <laughs> they do. Where where did the dragons, on this topic of names, because your dragons all have very interesting names. Flux is a little bit mar- well, Martha being probably the most normal, but yeah, and <laughs> I just tried to go there and my Kindles decided it's not going to cooperate with me. Um,
1: <laughs> but yeah. Where do the names come from? You know, it's really funny. I, these names, they roll off my tongue so easily. So I'll sit there and I'll just say whatever syllables sound nice together. And that's how Kerluna Garmesuth came to be or Drishak or uh, Lilith Mikalun. They're very melodic, almost. Mm-hmm. They're gibberish, but they're melodic. And I guess with me being a band teacher, that's one of the things I like.
2: <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: but and we do see what?
2: in her chapter that um, Melinda actually has a longer name. That's just yes. her name that she uses for the humans because, you know, our poor tongues.
1: <laughs> yes. True. Well, Melinda's very formal sometimes and very informal at others. She's this, it's going back to that uh, senility where Mm -hmm. she'll forget. Oh, yes, I'm supposed to be this regal lady of this land, but I forget. (laughs) Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. And, you know, she's been there for so long that she just, I imagine that the time for a dragon, it's so different because of, how long that they live that you know it's just a drop in the bucket for her to what she forgets in, in an instant is a lifetime for us kind of a thing yeah
2: yeah and it, like it's interesting that she originally assumes uh, dalen is coming to ask her about some human historical thing and she was going well you know i've lived through 57 kings which one do you want to know about um, no. and then he tells her what his real purpose is and we end up with the story that we get
0: and you are obviously setting it up for something else. Would you like to talk about the sequel? That's, uh, is it coming out this month?
1: Uh, hopefully. <laughs> I just got the proofs back from my publisher. I'm still going through them. So I'm hoping by the end of April or very close to it, it should be released. Okay. But going back to what the book is all about is that it's that growing process. So many of the books... The reason why I wrote it the way it was because I look at the books that kids are reading because what they enjoy reading, Hunger Games, uh, Game of Thrones, Maze Runner, they're all very good books, but personally, I find them kind of disturbing, but that's me. They're very good books. I have read the whole Hunger Games series, but Children Killing Children just bugs me. Right. Hmm. So what I decided is that I need... To write a story that kids are going to pick up, they're not going to find threatening because anybody that looks at Deathly Hollows and is a struggling reader is not going to pick it up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it's terrifying to them. Anything that's over 400 pages to them is terrifying. Right. Uh, and so that's why Dragon Bard just drops off because I tried to keep it short. But yet still entertaining enough for them to read it. So then I wasn't one running into binding problems because my Lord of the Rings series is falling apart again. And Mm -hmm. they do that. Yeah. And to encourage those kids to read it as they're going through. So the whole story of there are more things that meets the eye than a first impression. The mm-hmm. one that really highlights that whole thing is the story of Annabeth. Here she is, this monster, according to the, all the villages around her. She is not nice. She is a killer. She is ruthless. She sets everything on fire and lives in the middle of a volcano. How nice can you be? Mm-hmm. And turns out she's just trying to do what's best for her children. Right. It's not that she's mean inherently or evil. She's just trying to do what's best for them. And for them, only mm-hmm. one of those Draclings out of the three. Of priorities. Yeah, out of one of those Draclings out of three will survive to her. Mm-hmm. And so she has to give them the best chance that she can. So where Dragon Bard is, judge not, least ye be judged yourself. Mm-hmm. Darkening moons ends up being more of a story of the price you pay for vanity. How much are you willing to to give up, to sacrifice for that one precious moment of glory? Wow. And it's not so much on Dalen's half as it is on the dragons. Dragons are very vain. They are very prideful. Even with what I've got, Melinda is still very proud See so, mm-hmm. now, as she is, she's very proud. D- mm-hmm. shock really puts a nail in the coffin on that one. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> humans are sea rats that honestly should learn how to swim better, according yes. to her. And Darkening Moons is not so much Dalen's story as it is the dragons in the one mistake that they made, that even though they live for so long, their mistake.
3: Could
2: end the world mm. yeah and we started to get some hints of that in here it's interesting because you know you're reading along and you think okay there's sort of this story and then this story and then this story and i think about I, during annabeth's chapter i think was when i started to notice that there's more stuff going on here something else is starting to happen and then in the next chapter with with lilith and uh, the other fellow, we sort of we definitely see there are things going on that we need to figure out before
1: uh, Yeah, need to be paying attention to. Mm-hmm. Yes. And it really comes to light in Darkening Moons and I was actually quite glad all of my uh first editing team, the game of writing darkening moons was how to not give it away. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I had the ending before I had the beginning, and it was a really hard, hard game of cat and mouse. How do you not give it away? How do you make it last until the very last chapter when the true evil is revealed?
2: Yeah, that's tough to do sometimes. Mm-hmm. You want you to you put the seeds in there so that people don't say, well, whoa, that just came out of nowhere. But you don't want to drop too much so that everyone's figured it out.
1: Right. Yeah. Um, you know, it's not like, uh, the Harry Potter series where the, the bad guy was made obvious by the first book.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Now, the details of it, that were, that was the, the entrenched part where, okay, how do you kill this guy? Obviously, it didn't work the first time. Nope. So it's more of that game of, okay, I don't want the bad guy to be known. Not necessarily. I don't want him to be seen. I don't want him to be known. So how do you wrap this whole good guy, bad guy thing without doing that?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Without having the bad guy right front and center. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Which I'm actually quite pleased with how well it turned out. And I'm very excited for it to come out because as... You know, even not necessarily my my first generate my first gen uh, editing team, the ones who translate it from, as my mom puts it, from Heather into English, uh, <laughs> which gets very interesting because I can leave words out and it makes perfect sense to me.
0: Well, mm-hmm. because you are so intimately involved with it that your brain sees the words whether they're on the page or not.
3: Yeah. Because,
0: or, you know, Scott and I both write not nearly like what you write, but we, we've both been through that where you're like, no, it says that. And they're like, no, you're missing words. Mm-hmm.
2: That's not in that sentence. Uh, you just think it is because you know what it's supposed to say.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I found that the best editing friend that I have is my text reader because I can highlight everything, drop it into my iPod, and the iPod reads everything on the page. And it's amazing to me how many typos there are that people overlook. Him and her constantly are interchanged. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and it's like you had to have known you were talking about her. Why does it say him? But your brain says, oh, that's supposed to say her. So that's what I'm going to read. And so it's, you know,
2: mm-hmm. it's very well, tricky the that way. Where, you know, you're planning out the next sentence while you're typing the first one and then you end up flipping into the second sentence halfway through and the rest of the first one doesn't even exist. Mm -hmm. yeah.
3: Mm -hmm. Yeah.
1: And going with that, I mean, writing the book before I started, I was so horribly dyslexic. I could read things backwards just fine. I had a professor who was actually really, really funny. Uh, it was our term report paper, and she handed everybody's paper but mine back. And then she says, you know, the one word, you know, the set of words that no college student ever wants to hear, which is, see me in my office. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm like, I swear, I didn't do it. I didn't plagiarize. I didn't do it. It wasn't me. And she hands me back my paper, and it looks like a small animal had bled to death on it. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, dear. And she just looks at me and she goes, I don't know what you were thinking, but th- I can't read this. <laughs> um. And my first my first smart aleck remark was, well, of course you can. not It's covered in red.
3: <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: But um, that was more a flex talking than, mm-hmm. than me because it's been really interesting with, with that evolution as them. But then I went in to one of my other professors, and I was complaining in the fact that it's like, but I thought I did so well on it. And she read it, just the first sentence, and then she looks at me, and then she writes a sentence on the board. And she says, what's wrong with the sentence? And I looked at her, and I said, nothing. And she looks at me, kind of glares at me, and she goes, Heather, it's upside down. (laughs) (laughs) And I go, well, besides that, there's nothing wrong with it. (laughs)
3: Mm -hmm.
0: It's
1: not my fault. You can't read it upside down. Yeah, it's like, it's not my fault you can't understand what I'm trying to say. So they you know,
2: have a mother- thing going around Facebook right now where somebody has uh, flipped, written something and flipped it over and says, share if you can read this with ease or something like that. Mm-hmm. And some people can read it upside down perfectly well and some have trouble. Yeah.
0: And it's not only upside down, it's backwards.
1: Yeah, and those things, I I don't even pause. I can read those things. But a lot of it is just because I'm accustomed to it. Mm-hmm. And I think that comes down to a lot of what I've been exposed to and all of the things that I have had to do. With me being severely ADD, uh, learning how to read and write and communicate without hopping topics is a challenge. <laughs> hmm Because my brain can think of three different topics, completely irrelevant from each other, and it makes perfect sense. Right. (laughs) But the book has really helped me out on that factor because it's forced me to focus on one thing at a time. Mm -hmm. And since then, my writing has become a lot tighter. My speaking has become a lot clearer. I'm not filling in a lot of things or veering off topic randomly. I still do. That's me, but mm. I have not done we it. We do that me. too. Yeah. We're, we're off topic a lot. You're, you're doing really well. So I don't know. I'm trying. <laughs> it's a conscious mm. effort.
2: As with anything, the more you practice, the better you're going to get at it. That's the, that's the cool thing about writing. Like Even reading this book, I can, I feel like I can see you progressing as a writer from the first chapter to the end. So it's, it's interesting to, to watch that.
3: Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. And, and like you said, you know, your, your, is it your mom? Is it Cricket? Is that
1: right? Uh, that's That's her nickname. Her, her name name name. is Crystal. 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 That's it. Uh, Julie said Crick, like Cricket. Okay. Um, yeah, no, that's, that's how Julie
0: always calls her. (laughs) So she, she said something about, yeah, translating it
1: from, from Heather to human. So, yes, but, Um, um, that's been a great thing for, for me because I can just start rambling on a page and mom will, uh, and she goes, they're the, what the sentences." So I'll come back home after I've sent her a chapter and she's got a whole paragraph highlighted and she goes, I have no idea what you were trying to say. <laughs> so we need to talk about this.
3: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, that's neat that you have that support there too, so that you can, you can work it out and be able to you know get through this and and make such an amazing story because it really is a neat story.
2: Mm -hmm. I'm looking forward to seeing where this goes because it does kind of feel like it ends a little abruptly but part of that just makes you want to see what's next. Mm -hmm. So,
1: Yeah having that support and I would you know for any writer who is planning on it that support doesn't matter if it's your husband your boyfriend your girlfriend your wife A a parent, a professor, it's so important to have that because we don't catch those mistakes. You become so involved that the words just flow and it makes perfectly logical sense to you. That evolution of writing, as it goes, the characters become more and more vivid. They become almost physical creatures in your mind, for example, the challenging thing was Flux learned how to swear, yes. and as I was writing Darkening Moons, I had to be really careful because I would just write down what Flux would be saying, and there would be a swear word in there, and I would tell him, no, we can't put that in there, and he goes, well, why not? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but It's not my fault. <laughs> you go, well, it's a kid's book. We, we can't swear in it.
0: And then mm-hmm. he uses a swear word to reply to you saying, you yes, know, pretty much.
1: <laughs> um, so the characters have definitely become, and when I was definitely writing darkening moons, they would become so loud. I actually couldn't think there was actually a week that I barely slept. And all I did was write because I couldn't sleep because they were sitting there chattering mm-hmm. all night long, which is horrible.
2: <laughs> it's my turn to say something. Why are
1: you writing about me yet? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. or why did you do that
2: that's stupid
0: <laughs> and and they get to the point where you're like okay this is what i have in mind and this is what you're gonna do and they go nope we're going that way you're like, yeah but um i i want you to go this way and they're like nope we're going that way and then you're like oh well you know what that way is better so i'm just gonna follow you along and write down what you're doing yes so,
2: <laughs> uh, yeah
1: you know, a, Did you
2: a have a dragon that uh, moved into your head first, or one of these stories that came first, or was it in the order that it showed up in the book?
1: You know, the funny thing is, Twinkles, the, the uh, copper dragon in the desert, actually mm-hmm. came first.
2: Interesting.
1: And I remember sitting there, and I just couldn't believe the creature I had just created. And I'm like, oh, that's kind of cool. What else can I come up with? <laughs> Then Drishak came about, and she was actually kind of funny. She was a zoology project. <laughs> My zoology instructor in high school said, "All right, everybody, write one paragraph on a make-believe creature." She yelled at me and explained to me that eight pages did not qualify. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, "But, but, 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 but more <laughs> but is better." But more is better. It's it's an actual observation report. And she just shook her head and mm-hmm. she gave me credit. Yes, Hermione, go
2: do the assignment.
1: <laughs> yeah, pretty much. It's like, that's nice. No, shut up and sit in the corner.
2: <laughs> yeah.
0: They, you know, sometimes they just don't always appreciate you. It's, it's bad. Uh, I heard something about a report in Elvish.
1: Um, no, maybe not. Oh, a record in Elvish? I used to write in Elvish.
0: Oh, I thought it was a paper that you turned in and the teacher. Uh, I did that uh, too. It was supposed to be in a foreign language and you wrote it in Elvish.
1: Oh, well, actually it wasn't supposed to be in a foreign language. I was just mad at the teacher and I was a mouthy sophomore. (laughs) (laughs) So I wrote my, my apology letter in Elvish. (laughs) Nice. Um, Yeah. I remember we had this nasty, horrible sub who would just yell at us all hour long. It was terrible. And my best friend and I were in that class, and we were finally fed up with it. I mean, all he would do was yell at us. And, of course, we were the mouthy sophomores, and we wrote a note back and forth openly um, that just wrote blah over and over and over and over again in Anglo-Saxon or the Elvish And the teacher caught it midair and he forced us to read it out loud, which we were very proud of. (laughs) And we went up front and we opened it up like a big old scroll as if we were the king's messengers and went blah, 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 blah. Oh, he would have been pulling out his hair if he had any. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's great. We were were horrible people.
0: (laughs) No. Sometimes yeah. you have to you you have to do things like that, especially when you know substitute teachers that are just awful, and that's mm-hmm. probably part of the reason why you were such a good substitute teacher because you knew
1: what not to be. Well, and I knew the kids were going to pull all the tricks, and as I told some of my some of the kids I substitute, and I go, guys, I know what you're doing. Mm-hmm. I wasn't born yesterday. But it was really funny of the whole the whole course of events. It's like, well, how do you know that? Because I did it. <laughs> I was guilty mm-hmm. of it, too. Yeah, you, you're not the first one that's pulled this prank or
0: done this thing. Yeah. yeah.
2: Reminds me of, oh, what was it? I think it was Fern Withley's one where Remus Lupin was teaching at smeltings. And he's mm-hmm. like, oh, yeah, I'm going to check the board that goes under the other board before pulling it down. Because, uh-huh. <laughs> Sirius and I would have written on those. Yep, yeah.
0: we, we would have said bad things on there. Yes. <laughs> or tossing, See,
2: we do go off topic.
0: <laughs> tossing a book on the teacher's chair because he knows that they've pulled all the screws out of it, and so
1: it collapses before he sits down in it. Yes. Mm-hmm. I haven't done that. That's dangerous. <laughs> yeah, And my mother would have skinned me alive if I did that. Mm-hmm. It's interesting
2: how you want to have the good teachers, but the bad teachers are the ones you have the most stories about.
3: Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) That's true. We're
0: way off course. question that I like to ask the authors that, you know, and mostly the authors that we interview are fan fiction authors, and that they're a different breed, but I like to ask how, How do you write and not like, or what do you need? So we've had some authors that say I have to be at my desk and I have to have these three snacks with me and I have to have my drink and it has to be perfectly quiet or, Oh, I can't write a thing unless I have music
1: playing. So do you have, have Oh, sorry. Go go ahead.
0: ahead. No, do you have, so do you have a a way that you write a special way?
1: I have written everywhere from at my desk at a classroom, to at my desk at home, to a picnic table, to my camping chair with a fishing pole in my hand. Now, that got interesting. I, I caught all my fish, though. Well, that's good. <laughs> but for me, it's this conversation. And I think it was oh, Mercy Thompson novels. Ann Bishop? No. Uh, she I, 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 yeah, Ann Bishop, I know. But she writes the Mercy Thompson levels and she's a marvelous writer. And Sherilyn Kenyon as well, the writer of the Dark Hunter series, she talks about how these characters talk to her. And the gal who writes the Mercy Thompson series, there's a character named Braun in it. And Braun doesn't like to talk about his past very much. And she described Seeing him sitting back in his chair like he usually does. And here is a werewolf creature that has lived since, you know, the early fourth century, at least. And she'll ask him a question and he'll just smile and shake his head. And that's all he'll say.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: And so much of it becomes this conversation. Gorzaloth was very much that conversation. I remember sitting at my desk I wasn't sure what I was writing, and then the words just started flowing to my fingertips. And when I came up for air, I had written in 20 pages and I was crying because Gorzaloth had died. And it was like I had watched him die, and it was yes. the most horrible thing for me. And I was actually, I actually didn't come out of my room for like 25 minutes until I got a hold of myself. It's like, it's just a character, but it's a character I like. I did the same thing with Dobby. I, I couldn't yes. hold it together. Mm. A lot of us lost it with Dobby.
3: It's um, like, not Dobby!
0: Yeah, the author you were looking for is Patricia Briggs.
3: Yes,
1: Patricia Briggs. She is an awesome, awesome writer. Mm-hmm. Uh, that,
2: that, I think uh, I just got a couple of those out of the library, actually. They are graphic novel versions of some of her stories. So I, I think I'll have to go back and find the actual novels and maybe do those first. But I just came across these. Interesting.
3: Yeah. <laughs>
0: And obviously you are a reader. Uh, I try to. (laughs) uh, And I imagine uh, a lot of sci-fi. Are there other things that you like to read as well?
1: You know, the majority of it is actually fantasy. I actually read very little sci-fi. I actually watch a lot more sci-fi than I read. Okay. But I remember being in elementary school and I refused reading anything that had a human in it. Uh, I went through that stage of, if it has a human as the main character, I'm not reading it. That's how I came across Watership Down. I hate, I will not read that book ever again.
3: Mm -hmm.
1: It was traumatizing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, I remember, it was so funny. I must have been in fourth grade and I found Stephen King's Dreamcatcher and it had deer on the cover. (laughs) And I checked it out thinking it was about a deer and I took it home and mom took it away from me and she told me I was not allowed to read it. And I couldn't understand why until I got a lot older and I looked back at it. Yeah, <laughs> And I'm like, mm. good going mom. <laughs> but I read dragon's yes. milk, the, the unicorns of, Al, um, I don't remember what it is. Eleanor, Ala, Alator or something like that. I read The Sword of Shannara, that series. Mm-hmm. I read The Dragon mm-hmm. Riders of Pern.
2: Both good series, yeah.
1: Yep. Yeah. Firebringer. A Firebringer was one of my favorites as far as animal characters go. I don't think I know hmm. that one. Yeah, uh, it's actually yeah. really, really good. The first name is David. <laughs> okay, I'm getting it. But, but it's actually a yeah. really, really good book, and I haven't read it in years, but for some reason it was three weeks ago I woke up and I was able to recite almost the entire prophecy off the top of my head at three o'clock in the morning. It's just one of those, why am I up and why can I still say that? (laughs) Yeah, this He has a very
0: interesting name because it's David Clement Davies.
1: Yeah, that's it. So lots of Davies in there. I'm like, there's a Davies in there somewhere. (laughs) Thank goodness for Google. Yes. Mm Mm-hmm. But books like
2: that. handy thing about doing interviews in front of the internet. Mm
1: -hmm. Yes. (laughs) It's like, how would you spell that? Go ahead. Yeah, but uh, sorry. (laughs) We keep stepping on each other. We do. But as far as those books go, those, those are the ones that really piqued my interest as far as taking another look at what you read. Take another look at what the characters are. The fortress in the fortress of time, fortress in the eye of time, fortress of owls, uh, fortress of dragons, that whole fortress series. I don't remember the author, but it was the fortress series. And looking at the character Tristan, who was the original character, was really interesting because it forced you to look at the eyes, not of a grown man of what his body was, but of a child of what his mind was. Uh, so really taking a look at those stories of, well, yeah, we think like that, but doesn't everybody else think like that? And it really comes from my upbringing as well, where I have had friends from all over the world. I had a friend that was from uh, Venezuela. I've had them from Beijing. Who's was actually one of my best friends, Xiao Su was from Beijing. She's an absolute fabulous lady. I unfortunately have lost contact with her, but she was great in teaching me about the differences between our culture and the modern Chinese culture and kind of how they think. Um, I had professors from Ukraine, from Russia, from Bulgaria. I've had friends from England and Scotland and Ireland and Greece and Australia, all over the world. So understanding, okay, we may do something like this, but that's not actually how the other societies think. Mm -hmm.
3: Yeah,
2: and that applies really well to this book as well because we have the dragons who have a completely different sense of time and society and various other things that they do than uh, the human societies do because they have such long lives, things are going to turn out differently. And within that, there's the different kinds of dragons and they have different priorities from each other. So.
1: Right. Yeah. And in darkening moons, there's actually a portion where the dragons as a species come together. And that's where you start to see not necessarily racial tensions because they're, they're all the same species, but it's the closest thing, I guess. But there are some racial tensions. You get hints about it in Garbeth when he's talking about the upper dragons, how they think they're so high and mighty. And the dragons, like the silvers and golds, do not think very highly of the blues, the reds. Um, They actually find them quite stupid and animalistic, which, in Fair Play, the blues and the reds think the same thing Mm -hmm. because of just that difference.
2: Her? I don't know. Oh, there was a bit of something. Oops.
0: Did you guys get that part? There she's back. You said... I'm so bad. The last
2: thing we heard was that the blues and the reds think kind of the same they thing kind of, of the, the golds, thing. And oh, and
1: golds and silvers. Alright, yeah. Um what I had ended up going into was that there was a quote or something I was told. We are all monsters of our own design, defined by our circumstances.
3: Hmm. And that's where
1: you get creatures like garbeth or annabeth you know annabeth obviously does not trust humans whatsoever and will do anything to annihilate them if they get near her babies
3: Mm -hmm.
1: the accidents that happened no that wasn't an accident the the killings that happened with melinda's story right you know she should have been very angry and very resentful of humans after that but she wasn't right Hasseleth and his hate for fairies, Drishak and her despise for any ship. Right. So in that case, that's where it really comes
2: belongs in. to her. So, yeah.
1: Yeah, they just need to know how to swim. Yeah. Well, it's not her <laughs> fault that she can't tell the difference between a merchant ship and a pirate ship. Mm-hmm. They all yeah. look the same. Exactly. And like a squid, if you gut them, you can tell what they ate last. <laughs> but then it's too late for them. It's, well, not it's for her. No, <laughs> In the all. end, it's all hers. Yeah. Yep.
0: And she'll collect it all. Let's see, I've been writing notes as you talk, and so I'm not sure which ones I am supposed to still be asking, and which ones I've you've answered as I've done it. Um, <laughs>
2: yeah. It was interesting, almost watching Dalen get a little more used to interacting with dragons and kind of get a better sixth sense for uh, I should not tell her I'm a priest. There's something weird going on in that. Yes. And we sort of we pick that up with uh, Mr. Twinkles, which I love, by the way. You have all these uh, very rolling and melodic names, and then Mr. Twinkles.
3: <laughs> yes. <laughs>
2: but that's because he's not telling you his real name. Yes. So we have more to find out there. But uh, as I was reading that, you can sort of tell that, it starts out and you think, oh, this is another sort of friendly dragon. And then you realize there's something weird going on.
1: <laughs> yes. So. You know, especially with Caroluna, you know, anything that it's kind of goes back to the, to the Ghostbusters quote that some, several of my students always, always will always start commenting. And it says, if somebody asks, if you're a God, you say yes. Mm-hmm. And Mm -hmm. it goes back in the Carolina thing of if somebody, if a dragon asks if you are some type of thing, it's better to answer no. Yeah. Because then they're Mm -hmm. expecting you.
3: (laughs) Yeah.
0: Yeah. (laughs) You don't want to make the dragons mad. Yes. I I like the scrolls because they're, you know, at first you don't really, you don't realize you just like they're scrolls or something that's something's been written on. But as you go through, then you learn that there's a power in there that allows the dragons to know that they're there and that pretty much if the person that's carrying them has them, then they're hopefully not going to be uh, a problem for the dragons and stuff like that. And it's neat that you, that, that evolves. It's like, Oh, well, they're just scrolls. They're just something somebody wrote on that, you know, you're going to, oh, no, here. It gets, you know, there's more and more. And, and mm-hmm. the magic. That so happens.
2: you were expecting him to sort of, you know, take them out of his pack and show them around every now and then. He said, no, no, I can really be here. But he doesn't have to because they can tell that he's mm-hmm. got these.
1: Yeah. Which I, is I,
2: I, just as well because it probably saved his life a few times.
1: <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah. Yes. Flux, when he was digging through his pack, you know, commenting on the smell and how it just reeked. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or, uh, you know, going into Annabeth's lair when she was all of a sudden very angry in the fact that she couldn't barbecue him. <laughs> what do you mean I don't get to barbecue you? I I was, yeah, looking forward to that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or Drishak, where she planned on just drowning him, but... He ends up having these scrolls, and by law, she's not supposed to do that, so (laughs) it's very grudging. Mm -hmm. Which, that whole slob getting slobbered on, yeah, she was doing that out of revenge. It wasn't anything (laughs) to protect the scrolls. She just felt like it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. A little slobber's good for the soul. Yes. Dear me, do you have a dead fish in there? No, just dragon slobber dragon slobber
0: are there some favorite quotes that you wanna throw out there some some good things to hook some people to make them wanna
1: you know my my favorite as far as you know outside of the ones that i've already that I've already said was um you know with flux and him describing the situation that he was in, you know where he was so happy, and he goes. Did you know dead things can get headaches? It was simply marvelous after the overrated dress man got a headache and had to leave the castle. <laughs> it was simply exciting. All I did was, and I did all sorts of funny things with his dumb corpse pets, making little lights they chase and run into walls, creating illusions, and they try to eat rocks bigger than themselves. Flux <laughs> is a little terror. He is a bit of a yeah. terror. And the other one, of course, is Caroluna, where she lands right in front of him in just ice wind rolling off of her tongue. Cold, you know, icicles hanging off of her face, and she hisses. Are you a priest?
3: <laughs> no, no, no.
1: <laughs> and he goes, um, um, no. And she starts pouting. The wings go back, and the frill goes up and down. Oh, well, are any of your friends priests? No. Oh, please don't be another knight. I have too many already.
2: <laughs> yeah.
0: Or the collector.
2: She's a very interesting character, that one. Yes. Mm-hmm. Not one I'd actually want to meet, but interesting to read about.
1: <laughs> yes, yes. Um, and Dalen in Darkening Moons kind of reflects on the fact that he's become more comfortable around dragons than he actually has around people. He was like, mm-hmm. dragons are rather straightforward. That's true. People, yeah. not so much.
2: Yeah, he has some problems after the, the fairy wood because everyone thinks he can't possibly be where he is.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah. How did you get through here?
2: Now, is that just because he's come from things that were affected by fairies? Is that why he's farther away than he thought he should be? Or is there something else going on there?
1: Um, <clears throat> Where you start looking at it... Xiphon is obviously inherently magical. He doesn't know where he is. He's been blipped around the world many, many times. And the reason why he got such a reaction from the fairy, after the fairy forest when he was in the village, was because he came from the fairy wood. And Hasileth had commented that the fairies would bewitch the humans to annoy him even further, because at first he wasn't expecting humans to be on their side. That's why Hasseleth had such a violent reaction when Dalen showed up, because he just assumed that he was part of the fairies' tricks. Mm
3: -hmm. Mm -hmm.
1: And of course, bewitched by the fairies, the fairies also by, you know, just guilty of association have also tripped the humans into going into these woods and making the dragon angry. Hasseleth is not one of those creatures that you don't know about. He's kind of obvious (laughs) if he Mm -hmm. chooses to be. So you would imagine here are these bunch of villagers who don't have the power to take on a dragon. Here's this guy who has just wandered out of this cursed fairy wood who had to get through the dragon somehow. Right. What's up with him? I
2: figure there must be something weird going
3: on. Yeah.
1: Yeah. That he either is friends with the dragon or he's friends with the fairies, either one, and it's just going to get worse for him. Mm -hmm. But that's where that suspicion comes about.
2: I don't know. I'm trying to think if I had any questions that I haven't asked yet. Other than what's happening next, which I don't think you can probably answer.
1: <laughs> I've given out as much as I you know, can. There's another out. book
2: for that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
0: it's, yeah. It's fun to watch Julie because she's read it and she's like, ah, oh, I can't say that. Well, ah, no, can't say that either. <laughs> like, yeah. Don't talk to me. I don't want to know. No yeah. spoilers. It, it,
1: yeah. And that's so, why it gets so hard. It's like, okay, how do you describe the whole series in its completion? Without, it's not complete. Without okay. saying anything. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, I think
0: it is. Is
2: the plan for it to be a trilogy, or what are you thinking there, or do we know?
1: there are four books, technically. There's okay. Dragon Bard, Darkening Moons, Legends, and Legacy. But through financial reasons, I'm having to watch how Dragon Bard and Darkening Moons go.
3: Mm-hmm
1: which I'm hoping that this podcast can help out on is the fact if if it gets in the right hands, it can be spectacular. But right now it's so hard on my own where I'm having to not only hold down my full-time job where I'm working 13 hours a week or not a week a day on top of trying to promote my book. It gets really kind of interesting. There are only yeah. so many hours in the day. Mm-hmm. You need a time turner. That would be lovely. <laughs>
3: mm-hmm. Or a
1: teleporter. Yeah, those would be nice,
3: too. I want no, one fantastic. of those,
1: Fantastic. Yeah. Going with the Harry Potter thing, I, you know, I, whenever I saw the dragons, I'm looking at them, and I'm going, just talk to them. They're not that stupid. <laughs> yeah. This okay. is all a horrible game, and the dragons are the ones who are being suffered for it. I mean, just go and talk to them. Watch that yeah. game turn around. Ooh. Yeah, I think I've read that Oh, book, I'm actually, sorry. You did not me talking to just... the horn I sent them on Slytherin. Sorry! Yeah,
0: mm-hmm. we have read the very first story that Potterfic Weekly covered actually had dragon riders and the, the hmm. dragons were the ones that were patrolling to keep the Dementors at Azkaban.
1: Set up being a great idea. They just set everything on fire.
0: <laughs> well, yeah. and They, You know, it was this crazy thing that they had to come up with to be able to protect people because the Dementors were getting out and and trying to kiss everybody. And and so they they used the dragons for that. and, And then, you know, you had to come up with really interesting magic because you couldn't take potty stops while you're on the dragon. So what did you do? And you had to have shields up so that when the dragons breathed fire... It would go up and over you and wouldn't cook you and stuff like that. It was really kind of fun.
2: Mm-hmm. I've read one as well where they did take the idea of, you know, Harry being a Parselmouth and said, you know, snakes mm-hmm. are close enough to dragons that he could try to talk to the Horntail, and she'd be like, well, your accent's atrocious, but I can understand you. And he just said, can I please have that uh, golden egg that's not really one of your eggs anyway? And she said, oh, okay, fine. <laughs> he just walks off yeah. with it. And,
1: yeah, uh, pretty much. And, uh, it was. It a does chill. not make
2: for a spectacular task, but worked out for him.
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it, it would be
0: close, maybe, to be able to speak. If you could speak to the snakes, then you might be able to speak to the dragons. Well, and, and like that that'd
1: be fun. well, and that topic is not new because in Dragon's Milk, birds were close to dragons. So, if you could communicate with the dragons, you could communicate with the birds. Which turned into a really interesting sort of sort of thought process. But I know when the very first uh, Harry Potter book came out, and we were talk my brother and I were talking about transfiguration, and we- it was, you know, of course we're the kids, and we're like, well, what would you turn into? And I'm like, I would turn into a dragon,
3: mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> not a very big one, because I like soft things. But I would turn, I would totally turn into a dragon, and I would never turn back. <laughs> 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 it's like. Excuse me, I'm sorry, Professor, but I accidentally set my homework on fire, and no one could yell at me. It's true.
2: (laughs) I have a cold, I sneezed on it, what can I
1: do? (laughs) Exactly. Or, oh, I'm sorry, I sneezed on you, I didn't mean to barbecue you.
3: Not.
2: (laughs) Yeah, you'd have to come up with some amulets to hand out like Melinda's. (laughs) Yeah,
1: we could have used
0: you for uh, umbrage, though, that would have been a great thing. (laughs)
1: <laughs> we need flux for Umbridge. <laughs> Imagine the terror!
0: I will have order. Well, and she, you know, she'd hate it because he—he's not human, and she hates everything that's not human. So, uh, and and he's Alder. also flux very irreverent,
2: which mm-hmm. yeah does not go well for her.
1: Yes, well, and Flex would have a a wonderful time, you know, setting the bar stools on fire or making her chair come to life and run away or
3: Mm
0: -hmm. or just, you know, eating the cat plates
1: (laughs) or keeping them.
2: Probably just as well he never met the Weasley twins.
1: (laughs) Oh, they would get along perfectly fine. I I could see that, yes.
2: (laughs) It's the rest of the world that would be in trouble.
1: Because There's actually a really funny going on the line of what dragons would do. There's this really funny quote out of Darkening Moons that I can't share because it's completely and totally irrelevant for the actual plot. Is that there's these two dragons arguing and they're old dragons. Uh, so if you imagine two old, old people playing chess and the, and the comments that go back and forth, you know, well, at least mm-hmm. my teeth are real or something like that. And this dragon had just sent out this huge fireball, and the other one is a magic user dragon, so his fire's completely different, and the magic user dragon looks at the the, the old red, and he goes, at least I didn't think your ho- your fire's burnt that hot. And the and the fire-breathing dragon just looks at him and goes, well, at least my fire's natural.
3: <laughs>
2: uh-huh.
1: <laughs> Ooh.
2: Yeah, your dragons have some interesting personalities, and I'm looking forward to learning some more of them. And, yes. And I kind of like the bookend nature that we end up going back to Melinda to start things off for the, the next book, basically. Yeah. Dalen has to get back to her to figure out what to do next.
0: What to do next, yeah.
3: Yeah.
2: I guess one question I will ask, and you don't have to answer it depending on how spoilery it is, but do we get to find out Mr. Twinkle's actual name? And is that in the second book or is that something we'd have to find out later?
1: He makes a return. I'll say that.
2: Okay. Cause I'm pretty sure there's something going on with that guy.
1: <laughs> <laughs> he makes a return. That's all I can say.
2: All right. Well, I, it seems to me like we've covered pretty much the, the bases that are involved here. Is there anything else you wanted to comment on or let people know about your, your book or your series in general or?
1: Outside of that, it's e for everyone. I mean, of course, you have to be able to read it in order to get some of it. But I have had everywhere from third graders to people in their 90s read this book and enjoy it. Mm-hmm. You never know until you try. And even after I've done this, I've gone back and read some things, and it really kind of it really opens it up in in other options and other ideas that, oh, I never thought about interpreting that author that way. Mm-hmm. So really, that's that's the big point of you never know until you try. And if it's interesting to you, have right at. Hmm. Well,
2: sense. I think we should just tell people that we have read is the dragon bard it's by heather shropshire and you can find it on amazon uh, kindle hardcover and paperback editions are available and we're looking forward to darkening moons which is the second book in the series which hopefully will be out sometime this year
1: yeah hopefully in the next month or so yeah i was mm-hmm. like hopefully it will be back in the next month or so it's not that far out <laughs> yeah
2: i guess you're right you know april <laughs>
1: It's going fast,
2: Scott. It's going really fast. By the time this podcast is out, it might be out. (laughs) No, we'll probably be a little quicker than that. I promise
0: I will go faster than that. I I would (laughs) like to finish the one I'm working on now, but it's very frustrating to me, so I might not and just switch over to this and get this out to you as as quick as I can.
2: Is there anywhere other than Amazon that people should look, or is that your... Sort of you
1: can get it off of Barnes and Noble as well and directly from my publisher, Zilibris. That sounds like a dragon yeah. <laughs> name. The of way does, it's yeah. spelled, it might as well be because it's spelled with an X at the beginning.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've, uh, I've always sort of assumed that you pronounced that and then just did the rest of the word, but it's hard to say.
1: <laughs> yeah, they call it X ex- Libris and I call it Zilibris. It sounds better. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but I don't work for him.
2: (laughs) I think what they're trying to do is uh, uh, evoke the phrase ex libris, as in out of books. They've made it into a word because that's the cool thing to do with brand names of stuff. I don't know.
1: (laughs) It's kind of like, how do we make this, this Disney movie interesting? We change the title into something that's an adjective.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Or how the, anything that, has cheese that isn't real cheese they just change the se to a Z. (laughs) yeah absolutely Mm -hmm. or z as most of our listeners would know it but you know there's some of (laughs) you from canada and overseas that will know what i just was talking
3: about (laughs) what you're just talking about Mm -hmm. our
0: australian listeners will know Mm -hmm. (laughs) we have a few of those wonderful we you were talking about the diversity that you have and and we have quite a diversity among our listenership as well. We, we know we have some Australians. There's two or three people from India, lots of people from England, and lots of Canadians, because we have Scott.
2: <laughs> I'm pretty sure I'm not the reason, but I am one of them.
0: <laughs> and we have a cat walking across the computer and, and turning things off. <laughs>
2: that's always slightly awkward.
0: Yes. so if you hear a humming, he is now in my arms purring and and kneading me, so. There you go. It's not me snoring, I (laughs) swear. At
1: least he doesn't Mm -hmm. delete your term paper.
0: Ah, He's getting ready to noogie me, though, so if I start screaming, he's got this new (laughs) thing. He grabs my head with his claws, and then he rubs his teeth along the top of my head. Um, Bernie, where are you going?
3: (laughs) Please get
1: down. Oh, dear. He's no longer a cat. He is now a parrot cat.
0: He's, uh, I swear, he's
1: Flux. Get down, Bernie. He's on my head. <laughs> you know, with, with, the name, dragon in the disguise. <laughs> with the name Flux, I actually, after I wrote the book, my my goat had a had a baby and I named the baby Flux. who oh, She fitted her name rather well. Mm-hmm. She would undo the gate, walk out and look at you, and then walk back in. She didn't want out. She just wanted to let you know that she knew how to undo the gate. She could do it, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I remember she broke. We had this little run-in shed that we had, and they would run up the top of it and jump off of it because they thought it was great fun.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: And I remember she ran up it, and this, and the roof actually caved in underneath of her. It wasn't meant to hold an eighty-pound goat, <laughs> and it collapsed. And she just looked down at it, and then looked at me like, "Excuse me." You need to fix this, yeah like hello, what are you doing with this inferior materials here? Yeah, pretty much, and yeah. it's like, yeah, you're definitely flux
0: <laughs> yeah we've we've had many discussions on the podcast about naming animals and how you need to be very careful with what you name them because they live up to their names. so unless you name them like tiny, but tiny you got to be careful with because it could go the opposite. yes we we talked about chase and killer and yeah things like
2: mm-hmm. that and now you can't even name things fluffy because you don't know which one they're going to follow
0: <laughs> yeah you really don't want a three-headed
1: dog i would like a three-headed dog
0: yeah, that's true
1: i could get some real good smaller. gas mileage on that thing <laughs> <laughs> it's like excuse me i need to find a parking spot for my three-headed mastiff <laughs> oh,
2: yeah yeah, yeah.
3: The I'm
2: reading a story now where they have a two-headed dog and they've, they've given each of the heads its own name. So then the whole creature is the two names run together.
1: Uh-huh. I had written a little short skit about the problems of being in Hydra with multiple heads and they were all arguing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So they were about to like, they were deciding whether or not they wanted to uh, ransack this town But they couldn't decide how they were going to ransack it. So between the eight heads, they couldn't come up with a consensus and two of them started fighting.
0: (laughs) Yeah, and then pretty soon they're all fighting and then you don't have a Hydra anymore.
1: Well, and then they tied their necks into a knot and then they had to go and find somebody to undo the knot. (laughs) Which was this totally embarrassing situation for them. Mm -hmm. And they go, well, it was her idea. No, it wasn't. It was your idea. (laughs) I didn't do any of it.
3: Uh Uh-huh.
0: Yeah. I was the innocent by head stander thing. Yeah, yeah, it's like, this was between you two. I didn't have any part of this. I don't know what you're talking about. Poke, poke, Egamon. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're way off course. Well, this was very entertaining. Thank you so much for coming on and mm-hmm. sharing your story with us. And, you know, more than just even the story of the dragons, but your
1: story as well. Well, thank you guys for so much for having me on. Yeah,
3: mm-hmm. it was
2: fun. It's been fun. And it's a fun story. I'm going to have to finish rereading, and then maybe by then the next one will be out. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. Hopefully. Yeah, that'll be cool. I- I'm sure I'll find out about it when it comes out.
1: Well, and I will <laughs> post to my Facebook page as soon as it is available, along with the links where you can purchase it.
0: Okay, yeah. I. Um, that's actually how I found it the first time, was through your Facebook page. So,
1: Yeah, so, so anybody so can- who is got questions or, you know, would like to ask me a question cause you know, I don't always think of everything. Mm-hmm. So if anybody's got a thought that they want to ask or a question they want to ask me or any potential writers who just want an extra opinion, you know, I'm more than happy. You've got my Facebook page. If they want to get in contact with me, that's great. I'll talk to them as much as I can, as far as that goes, but You know, the writing community is huge. And it's always a great idea to get another person's opinion. Mm -hmm. And I'm also planning on doing some book tours this summer. So I will also be posting the itineraries, where I'm going to be, what I'm going to have available, you know, in case people want their copies to be signed or they just want to come down and listen to me read a portion of it.
0: Cool. Your Facebook link in the show notes as well. I think he's hungry. <laughs> I think so. <laughs> I was
3: going to say he
2: had some comments as well.
0: <laughs> what? What do you want? I fed you. He says, yeah, but I ate all my crunchies, and now there's nothing left down there. <laughs> <laughs> we tend to have animal interruptions on the podcast as well. Mm-hmm. That's okay. As long as, some of
3: them,
2: but...
1: as long as it's not the chickens in the kitchen. No.
0: We,
2: we no, do the chickens have... are outside.
0: We have one that my mother has spoiled. She now comes to the door and asks for treats, and if you leave the door open while you're getting the treat, she will come in to see if she can find it herself.
1: Yeah, I I was watching some chickens for a friend, and I walked and I heard this screeching noise upstairs, and I walked upstairs because I was in the basement, and there's this chicken mm-hmm. sitting in the sink <laughs> for no apparent reason. She wasn't doing anything; she just wanted to sit in the sink instead.
3: Yeah. They're, they're
1: pretty- and I looked at her, and I'm like, what are you doing in here? And she just cocked her head to the side and just looked at me like, well, isn't it obvious?
0: Mm-hmm. I'm having a bath. <laughs> what? <laughs> Hopefully get you some other readers, because I want to be able to read all four of them. So,
1: Yeah, it would be great. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that will be our goal here.
1: Yes, because I'm already starting to write the third one, which is Legends where it goes back where you learn more about Gorzaloth, where he really didn't want to talk a whole lot. And what did he mean by that is something I will carry to my death?
2: Interesting. Okay. He definitely had a lot to bring to everything because he's, he's had a, a really long lifetime. So there's a lot there to delve into.
0: Well, cool. And usually we sign off by saying goodnight, everybody.
2: Good night, everyone. All
1: right. Thank you, guys, and good night.